from Coast to Coast to Coast, you are listening to Terra Informa. Welcome back. Hello, I'm Charlotte Thomason, and we have a special episode for you this week. I'd like to begin this episode by acknowledging that Terra Informa is a production of CJSR 88.5 FM, located here in Edmonton, Alberta, on Treaty 6, the historic and present territory of Cree, Métis, Blackfoot, Dene, and many other First Peoples who continue to live and gather here, and who continue to influence the stories we make and our understanding of the land around us. The story this week is all about queerness and biking. And yes, those two things can go together. As you may already know, the month of June in Edmonton is Bike Month, which is all about encouraging folks to get out there and ride. It is also Pride Month, instituted to commemorate the Stonewall Riots in 1969 that played a large role in queer activism. Both of these things, cycling and being queer, are personal to me. And when my sister called me up to tell me about an organization that combined these two things, I knew I had to share their story. The organization Snacks creates a networking and welcoming space for LGBTQIA2S bus people who want to cycle and have fun. Located in Victoria, BC, Snacks works to mobilize community and to connect people to the outdoors. I was able to chat with Mackenzie Albright, a passionate human and a founder of the organization. We swapped cycling stories and chatted about businesses and queer baiting the binary of the outdoor community, and how Snacks is pushing boundaries. Listen up for that story. My name is Mackenzie Albright, and my pronouns are they, them, and or he. Um... So I'm one of the uh, couple of people, Lauren, M, and I started Snacks, which is an LGBTQI plus uh, group of people that basically uses cycling as a way to bring people together to share skills and knowledge and just get people together out enjoying the outdoors. My first question is kind of twofold. What brought you into the biking community? Sure. And then the second part of it is what made you kind of want to like tackle the lack of representation of queer people within that community? Yeah, so the first part of the question, what kind of got me into cycling, honestly, I've Ever since I was a a wee tot, I've been cruising around on a bike. I grew up on a farm, basically, since I was able to be upright. I started riding trikes and bikes, and um, then as a teenager, met a group of pals off the internet, uh, and we would go on big bicycle road trips, like riding BMX bikes. So I saw a lot of, uh, like, the U.S through doing road trips and stuff and going to skate parks and meeting people that way. And then 
basically just like, you know, once I started university and going to to grad school and stuff, um, I just couldn't really risk injury and or my body was just not up to, to that sort of riding anymore. So then I just got interested in big bikes and I always did it just for fun. I've never been much of, you know, I would never consider myself like a, you know, a commuter or a roadie. And um, I just always liked the activity of joining up with my friends and, you know, sharing experiences with, with them. But as I got older, I kind of found that that was just harder and harder to do, especially with like work schedules and being out of university and just like working. And do you see a lot of, uh, you see a lot of like cycling clubs. It's, it's like a, a bunch of, you know, spandex dudes or then sometimes you have like the, the other end of the spectrum. Then all of a sudden there will be like, you know, women's rides. Um, so there's just like this really big binary within like groups of cycling cycling clubs and stuff like that and also I'm just not a competitive person like I have no no interest in like using Strava or being super fast or turboing around or climbing up the mountain as fast as I can like I just want to ride around and like enjoy things and um, I was always interested in like bike touring and camping but like going out for like weeks on you know on end just having a job that allows that is very very difficult so I learned about this thing through Rivendell Bikes called the Sub 24 Hour Overnighter, which is this very short bike trip where you basically just like head out after work, go set up camp, stay overnight, head back early the next morning. So it's super easy to do on weekends. I had never really, I don't have any knowledge about camping or um, outdoorsing. And my friend Joanna moved uh, to Victoria from Edmonton, and she's just like a super turbo like hiker biker camper she had just gotten back on like a like a couple week trip in italy and she was just like you and me are going bike camping and i was just like okay whatever (laughs) and um yeah it was like you know victoria in the winter i think it was like january or february when we started so it was like kind of the off season and it was just like super rainy and like miserable but we just sort of like bonded through the the misery of the Victoria rainstorms, just biking around, setting up camp. And basically from that point on, I was hooked. But then Joanna ended up getting a job in Edmonton, moving back to Edmonton. And then, uh, yeah, I just like basically was like left to get with like no crew of people. And then I found Lauren and M through mutual friends because I heard that they were super into bikes. And then we just kind of got chatting and just like because of my you know, with Joanna gone, I, again, was kind of left without any sort of knowledge of camping and camping supplies. And um, so, you know, Lauren was, like, super knowledgeable about um, gear and that sort of thing. And Em was super, just, like, super turbo, just, like, shooting from the hip sort of sort of person. So uh, they we just kind of all, like, hyped each other up. And we were like, you know what, I think that we could bring people together who have, like, Yeah, so I guess how exactly does Snacks carve out these spaces in a traditionally heteronormative scene like cycling? Yeah, well, you know, like for me, because like um, as a non-binary individual, but 
as like a very cis presenting individual, you know, I can just like uh, walk into a bike shop, you know, and just easily like navigate or engage and be treated very differently by a bike shop. And I can like test the feel and vibes out of like a shop, for example. Over that time, it's like I, I establish relationships with like the bike shop. So like, you know, for me, using my privilege to, you know, access those groups and I can kind of discern which ones are going to like are super queer friendly and well respect people's pronouns and identities and treat people like thoughtfully and respectfully in which shops won't. I, I wanted to just make my resources accessible to um like a larger audience of people to be like, Hey, you need your bike worked on. You know what? Like they're just going to like treat you super well and um, go here for this or there for that. And I think like similarly for like Lone and M, like the more that we started like doing this, we just saw like more and more of like a need and desire. Um, and as you kind of like make those sort of amenities like available to, to all folks, it just like brings more and more people in and they get more and more psyched on it. Cycling as a sport is a very, you know, sport within like the binary and presented as like a more aggressive uh, turbo activity. But, you know, we just want to like go out there and go on like bird watching rides and go eat a snack on the top of it, like a nice view. Yeah. I just think that we wanted to start creating a space where people could get set up, share information, share knowledge, and things like that. Yeah. Do you think there is a disconnect between queer people and the outdoors, or do you think that has more to do with access to those spaces? You know, I think that, like, queer people actually, I think they have a different sort of access to the outdoors. I believe that the way that society structures and presents the outdoors the way that it uses ecology is set up within the binary so for example if you go to like if you go to a park you know and like victoria is filled with those like that's like set up to be like a, a consumer space you like spend your time you dominate it you know and then you're you're done with your weekend you come back back to your nine to five so i think that the way that the society structures what's natural and unnatural and what how we behave in those spaces is really structured within like capitalism and the patriarchy and dualism um, but I think that like the way queer people engage with the environment is much different than that so I think that queer people always exist and spend a lot of time within those spaces but it's not about dominating those spaces it's about like existing with those spaces and understanding those spaces um and so i think by you know trying to use cycling and knowledge sharing and all of that stuff to kind of bring people together it kind of allows a bit more assertion of ourselves within these spaces that are kind of like meant to be like cut out is like these like dualistic binary spaces i think there's like a lot to be said about not just cycling general recreation in the outdoors like being very yeah falling within the binary and it's very much 
like a male dominated field. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think the ability to, yeah, reclaim that space as like our own space that we exist in and have always existed in. Um, mm-hmm. But to now be vocal about it and be like, hey, we're organizing, we're getting together, we're building a community within this space that has traditionally rejected us. And I mm-hmm. think that is like so incredible and so yeah. like vital and important. Yeah, it's true. And I think that that, that visibility, like even for myself, you know, it's like I grew up in rural Minnesota and like as, you know, a young queer kid who I love like muscle cars and car racing and I love being outdoors and animals and stuff like that. And like, you know, it's like you don't really like make those associations of like, you know, you know, stuff like automotive culture. It has such like a, a masculine assertion to it but then it's like you know there's all these amazing instagrams um that are out there that are just like you know what like there's so many like queer people who love like car culture and um auto racing or camping or um you know just they live and thrive in in rural communities where you know you kind of have this association of more like urban and and so i think that Things like Instagram are just such a great platform to kind of be a bit more subversive and, yeah, just bring bring these sort of communities to light a little bit more. Yeah, for sure. Because I, I, I guess the queer communities that are usually elevated or have been, like, elevated in, like, recent times have often been, like, you have, like, the stereotypical gay man who, like, loves the city and mm-hmm. dresses really well and you know like there's there's so many stereotypes but queer people are everywhere it's true yeah <laughs> and i think yeah just being able for not only um like companies i guess to recognize that but yeah for like individuals like in a community to be able to recognize that as well yeah and i feel like so much of that like it's just like based off of like those those ideas of like dualities and dualisms and natural and unnatural and and the way that we we present and perceive ourselves like it's easier for like society to like imagine you know the stereotypical like gay man off of like every like early 2000s sitcom but the thing is yeah like we all look so many different ways you know yeah Um, yeah and like social media is just like so fantastic for that yeah, for sure. Further talking about inclusivity um, and about MEC, Mountain Equipment Co-op. They signed the Diversify Outdoors pledge in October of 2018 and made some statements talking about how they had predominantly centered like white people and were now trying to like incorporate actual people of color in their advertisements. Um, mm-hmm. But reading the pledge, it also includes the queer community, so the LGBTQIA plus community. Um, so what do you think that means kind of in terms of like moving forward as a entire like collective, as a society? Yeah, it, it's like, I mean, it's so interesting because I mean, it's so so similar to like greenwashing, right? Where it's, um, this is like, I feel like it's like the hot thing and it's just like, also, it's just, like, kind of queer baiting, right? Yeah. And I, I think that there's something within the ethics of that that it's just, like, 
obviously you're kind of like people who are like super into camping are probably more like liberally minded and so it's just like whenever i go into mac it's like i i don't like feel like they're necessarily like walking the walk um on the other side of it too it's like i mean just for myself it's like even when i go to a bike shop it's like i will go to a bike shop any day day of the week before i go like go to the mac like mac is like my last possible place i will go you know i'd much rather when i know there's like a good shop in town or a co-op or you know it's like i want to support those smaller organizations and even in terms of like camping gear just like what's available locally and again like i said it's like that's why you know for myself it's like a person with like passing privilege and able to like go into those spaces and kind of like scope things out it's like there's some really great bike shops in victoria that have been like so supportive and have queer people like working there and and they're just like so respectful and you just like never talk down to you and it's like i would much rather you know pay you know an extra couple bucks for for an item there or like pay like a mechanic who's you know a lifelong mechanic there I always find it so challenging because I I want businesses to support the queer community. Mm-hmm. But on the other side of that, yeah, you see so much queer baiting, but that money is is just going to the business. Yeah. And it's just like there's so much rainbow capitalism and those kind of things, so it's I find that super challenging in terms of like wanting businesses to support the queer community. Mm-hmm. Um but at the same time, wanting them to, like, actually support the queer community. Yeah, yeah, instead of just, like, making, like, rainbow stickers. The idea of snacks being able to kind of, like, vet those businesses is, I think, really important. Because sometimes mm-hmm. you don't have time to go into a space and, like, put yourself at risk to figure out, like, if they're going to support you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, like, the thing is, too, is, like, when it started, it's, like, I mean, I'm, like, a hobby bike mechanic, and I love, like, building and working on bikes, but, you know, that's fine when you're, like, helping a couple people, like, with some some tune-ups or something, but then it's just, like, you know, with the snacks, you know, participants growing and just, like, the number of people coming in, it's, like, I, I mean, I just totally wasn't able just to, like, keep working on or showing people how to, like, work on their bikes, um, which would be, like, still, you know, we'll do like occasional like workshops or like how to's or whatever and set up as need be. But yeah, just like it, it gets just get to the point where it's like, we need to be able to send people to a space that we know that they're going to be treated well. And it's really just not that hard for, for businesses to do that. And I think that, you know, if you look at the bicycle industry, it's struggling, you know, and bike shops are struggling. They're closing left and right. And what it's, like, coming down to is, like, customer service. And, like, when you walk into a shop and you get talked down to or treated rudely or just trying to be upsold, you know, on your bicycle, you know, it's just, it's not doing them any good as a business. So it's, like, when you do have these shops that are actually, like, open-minded and thoughtful and kind, it's just, like, you know, it's, like, there's a whole you know, a bunch of people who, like, need access to this thing. So, like, good on you for, like, just being decent humans and running a decent business because, you know, the, the business world for, I think, things like outdoor shops and, and bike shops are just, like, really changing. Yeah, for sure. So you mentioned kind of from the birth of snacks to what it is now 
there has been a demand for these kind of spaces. Uh, what impact do you think the collective is having on the community? We're we're still like working a lot within like trying to figure out exactly what snacks is and like what it means to people. And, you know, part of this is, like, I, I do have to, like, send some shout-out to, like, the WTF people, the women trans from Femme Explorers. Um, they kind of started this, like, um, Instagram phenomenon of just, like, women trans and femme people getting together and getting them out adventure cycling and stuff, which I, I have a lot of, like, respect for and really excited about what they're doing. We're in the process of making a website now, but we'd like to be able to make it as, like, a platform so that people can, like, adopt it and kind of create their own own crews and groups, like, outside of, like, this specific community. You know, everyone has, like, their own interests and their own reasons for cycling. You know, um, like I was saying earlier, there's, like, somebody who's really into bird watching so they just like let a ride where they took everyone to their spot um and would just you know basically show people like all the birds that were like living in those areas and you know it's like that's so different than any other like you know when you when you see these other sort of like cycling groups or like heteronormative sort of like spaces it's like i don't know we just want to you know keep it as malleable and like open as possible and then like through that it's just like you keep like bringing in more and more people with like more ideas so then we just try to like you know through our our um instagram and facebook and and whatever just try to facilitate like if somebody has an idea for a ride or a get together have you noticed people like coming to you folks that haven't been avid cyclers before or like new to cycling i would say a good portion of people are i would say like 80 percent of the people that um are participating in in snack rides are are new or very leisurely sort of riders definitely most people have never been bike camping before this coming Saturday, we're we're doing like a a big group ride out to a, a park, and we're gonna set up camp. And I think about twenty people are participating in that. Most of them, a big chunk of them, are first timers. Nice. Okay, that's really cool. Yeah, my sister told me about that trip. She was like, "You should come to Victoria and go on this trip." <laughs> yeah, I think it's gonna be really. I think it's gonna be really great, honestly. And I mean, that's like the cool thing about it is like you can have these like really nice experiences out in nature, and it's like you can do it in under you know twenty four hours. Like it doesn't have to be. You don't need a week to like you know ride somewhere or, like a month. It can be just like this little nice nice thing and still just like really get out there and enjoy it when you're going you know 15 kilometers an hour on a bike you like look in the forest it's like you see so much more and just experience the space so much more and yeah so it's just like a really nice way of encountering things yeah definitely i can relate to that the other day i was biking and i saw a flying squirrel Amazing. Yeah. Definitely not something I would have seen in a vehicle. <laughs> it's true. Absolutely not. Yeah. And like when I recently went to Utah and it was just like biking 
just stumbled across like so much amazing things that you know it's like when you're in a state park or a a national park it's like they put signs around stuff to try to direct people like they're literally directing people to sites in order for like the least environmental impact so it's like they try to just like get people there and get people out but it's like when you're on a bike it's like you know they might have like for example i was just like looking at some petroglyphs and i was just like biking down the road and then just peeking through some bushes i found like a huge other section of like wall that was also like not that far off but it's like obviously they didn't want you know that amount of traffic because it was much lower and much easier for people to like you know mess with or vandalize yeah biking makes you kind of slow down and Mm -hmm. i find it mindful i don't know for me at least i think it really allows me to focus yeah on like the things going on around me and what i'm hearing what advice do you have for somebody in the queer community that wants to try out cycling but maybe like isn't sure where to start i mean the thing about it is is like you i just say like you can make pretty much any bike work within reason um you know just anything that like when you're on it and you're riding it and if it's like bringing you joy just just go for it um and then you know if you're if it just start out like any sort of riding is like a good place to start. And then if you're interested in, you know, doing stuff like overnight trips or, you know, that sort of thing. Like, honestly, like it it really took my friend Joanna to just like, you know, light that fire under my butt and be like, we're going to do this. And then it's like, I realized even if it's like you go on an overnight trip, you're miserable just for one night. So if you forget something or, you know, you don't have something, as long as you have, you know, water, it's like 24 hours, you know, as long as you're being somewhat like mindful of, of the space in your body, like everything's going to be fine. And you're always a cell phone call away. Um, so it's really just, you know, you just got to like give it a go. That's like my, my main advice for people is just, uh, you know, there's definitely, you see a lot of people on Instagram and you see a lot of, you know, these sites that try to like set you up with like you think that you need like this super fancy touring bike or you think that you need like this special gear. Um, but you don't. And I think that there's a lot of people with a lot of like knowledge and information out there. So just like, yeah, you know, hopefully with even like snacks, you know, if like people want to like send us a DM, if they have any questions about, about gear or bikes, like they can always like send us a DM or, or and just like making us more, but yeah just gotta do it (laughs) fair fair enough I think that's a good good piece of advice that was yours truly interviewing Mackenzie Albright cyclist extraordinaire and founder of Snacks, the slow, nice, and queer cyclo-adventure squad based in Victoria, B.C. If you want to find out more about Snacks, hit them up on Instagram, at Snacks. That's S-N-A-Q-C-S. Or check them out on Facebook, at Snacks. 
in the coming months, also keep an eye out for their new website. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for this week. If you have any questions or comments about the show, send us an email to Tara at cjsr.com or tweet us at Tara Informa. You can also check out all of our episodes and news on our Facebook, Tara Informa, or check out our website, terrainforma.ca. Terra Informa is entirely volunteer-run. I'd like to shout out our volunteers that helped this week. Dylan Hall, Sophia Osborne, and Hannah Cunningham. I've been your host, Charlotte Thomason. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you'll catch us next week, right here on Terra Informa. You're like... Some people that like talking on their phone about their like number orders. <laughs> <laughs>